Welcome to the Freedom House Church Weekend Message. Today, you'll be hearing an exciting message from a communicator on our teaching team. Whether you're just waking up, on your way to work, or going for a relaxing evening walk, we know this message will equip you to experience Christ's freedom today and every day. So enjoy. Freedom House. I love that bumper. I always feel like I should do a little dance, like, you know, it ends, dun, 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 dun. it's like jazz hands. It's like, doesn't it make you feel like that? Well, I, I love it. Well, my name's Olin Carter. I get to serve here on our teaching team, and uh, the most fun thing I get to do in life, period. So excited to be here with you guys today. And if you are new, I see some new, new faces in the house today. Um, something that's unique about Freedom House Church is we have multiple campuses but we have a live communicator at each campus each and every weekend, which I think is amazing. We're going to talk some more about this today. But let's give some honor to our senior pastors, Troy and Penny Maxwell, uh, for their vision. And where that really matters for you is we believe in giving ministry back, which means our church is not built around one person. It's built around the team of people that are here and the vision that God has given for us as a church, which means you can be a part of that, which is so awesome. Um, and before I jump in today, I do want to greet our online campus. We have people right now joining us from Texas, Georgia, Arizona, Tennessee, Maryland, South Carolina, Virginia, and Florida. Will you guys give them a hand? Welcome. We're so glad you're joining us today, and hopefully you get engaged in the chat talk, ask questions. We love that you're joining us today as well. And so we've been talking about all summer long this great series called The Dog Days of Summer. We're talking about, man, it's hot out, it's summertime, but this is the time when, you know, we take some vacation, maybe we unplug a little bit, we relax, which is great. It's wonderful. How many of you have had a good vacation, taken a nice trip? Yeah, I guess everybody else has had a bad vacation. Maybe you got sick on your trip or something. That's terrible. We went to, one time I won this trip at work, and uh, we went to Cancun, and my wife, poor thing, she got totally sunburnt the first day. So she was like, that is a bad vacation, isn't it? That's bad. But, you know, hopefully you've had some good trips. You've had some fun, which is wonderful. I think God loves for us to relax, um, to kick back sometimes, but... We don't want to relax. We don't want to get lazy in our faith. We don't want to get lazy in our pursuit of God, in our relationship with God. And so during this um, series, we're kind of focusing on that. How can, we, how can we enjoy our summer? How can we have some fun, relax without becoming lazy 
in our relationship with God. So we've talked about a few things. We've talked about um, growing personally. We've talked about that in our personal lives, how not to get lazy in that pursuit of God in our personal lives. We've talked a little bit about our relationships. Man, uh, relationships are work. If you get lazy in your relationships, that is not good, right? Relationships are work, the married people said. Amen. Amen. It takes some work. So I want to talk about something kind of from a different angle this morning, and um, I want to start out with a, a little story. When I was a, a young child, um, I was probably eight, nine years old, ten years old, somewhere in there, and um, we were coming back from eating, I think, and we were with some family, but I, I remember vividly, I was in the car, I was in the back seat, talking to my uncle. My uncle was in the front seat, and, <clears throat> excuse me, and I just began to tell him how great I was going to be. I'm this little kid, and I'm just telling him all these things I'm going to do. I'm going to be rich. I'm going to be famous. I'm going to accomplish all these things. I'm going to be this. I'm going to be that. And my uncle just let me talk. You know, he just let me tell him how great I was going to be and all these things I was going to do. He just let me talk. And then after a little while of me, you know, just talking about how great I was going to be, he asked me this simple question that changed my life forever. And it was the simplest question he just very quiet, he said, man, that's great, oh, that's great. He, and he just stopped and he said, what about God? That's all he said. But it was like, bam, it was like I got hit by a truck, right? I mean, it was like, what about God? Like, I hadn't thought about God. I hadn't, in all my planning, and all my greatness, and all my future endeavors, and all these things I was going to do, I had never stopped to consider, what about God? What about what God wanted for my life? What about what God intended about my future, who I was going to be, what I was going to do? What about God? And that question just stopped me dead in my tracks. Now, you know, it's been a long time ago, but I can tell you that ever since that day, whenever I've thought about my future, whenever I've planned out tomorrow, whenever I've thought about my family and my job and my career and what I'm going to do, I always have this moment. I almost hear my uncle saying those words, and I have to stop and think, what about God? I want to give you a question like that today. It's a question that I think for some of you, um, it, it might hit you or encourage you a little bit what I'm going to talk about today. For some of you, I think it could potentially change the course of your life forever. It's a simple question. It's not difficult. But in all your planning and all your future and in all the things you want to accomplish and be and do in your life, the question I want to ask you today is, what about God's house? What about God's house? You see, sometimes we talk about ourselves and our house and our future, but what about God's house? And I came to this question because here at the church, you know, leaders and pastors at the church, we're always um, encouraging you to get involved, right? Some of you probably wish we'd shut up sometimes, right? I get it already. You want me to serve. You want me to get involved. You want me to come to life group. You want me to do these things. But as pastors, as leaders in the church, maybe you have a leader that's, uh, that's stalking you right now in a good way. They're like, I see something in you. That's something we say a lot around here at Freedom House. I see something in you, and it's because we want something good for you. But in, in thinking about that, um, this question kind of came up, and it, and it, and it kind of hit me that, you know, I want the church to grow. I want this church to grow, right? I want this church to grow. But why? Because I don't want to manipulate you. And I'm going to be very honest this morning. I want every one of you, every one of you watching online, 
My heart, my desire, I want every one of you to be passionate about the church growing. I want you to be passionate about our church, about this church. I want you to, but, but, I don't want you to do it because I want you to do it. I don't want to manipulate you into wanting that. I don't think that's of God. I don't want to, I don't want to persuade you. I don't want to manipulate you into that. And so I went to God and I was like, God, man, I want the church to grow. I want, I want these guys, I want everyone here to want the church to grow. So why do I want the church to grow? I had to ask that question. Why do I want the church to grow? And it hit me. It's actually a question of lordship. It's a question of lordship. You see, I don't want the church to grow because I need to attend a larger church. How many of you enjoyed worship today? Isn't that wonderful? Man, a great time of worship. Man, I felt the spirit of God here. I enjoyed worshiping God with you guys. I thought it was fantastic. I don't need 500 more people in here to worship God. Do you? I don't need more people. I don't need there to be 10,000 people to worship God. We worship God just fine. I don't need there to be more people for the word of God to work. How many of you know the word of God is the word of God? Whether there's five people or 5,000 people. So I don't want the church to grow because I want or I need to attend a larger church. And I don't want the church to grow so we can have nicer stuff. Although, here's a little secret. I like stuff. My day job, I'm the director of operations for the church. I'm kind of the stuff guy, right? I mean, a lot of my conversations is money and finances and facilities, which Adam helps with, and how we can make stuff better. And I love the lights and the cameras. Tell you a little story. Um, we, uh, many of you that have been here for years remember our overflow parking lot. A lot of the ladies owe me, right? That was not a lot of fun. It would rain. It was gravel. It would be muddy. Ladies walking in in their high heel. It was just like, you know, trying not to fall over. The lighting wasn't very good. And I remember, man, when we got the new lighting over here, we, we paved that lot. We got the lighting put in. One night, I'm driving. I'm leaving here in the evening, and the lights come on. And I, I just, man, I drove over into the lot, and I just stopped my car. And I was like, wow, I love this. This is great. And it wasn't a few days, maybe a week later, Pastor Troy, he comes by my office one day and he goes, man, the other night I was out here at the church for something and I just drove through the lot and stopped my car and went, wow, this is awesome. I love this, right? This stuff is nice, but I don't want the church to grow because I like nice stuff, because we need nicer stuff. That's not why I want the church to grow. And I don't want the church to grow because I want Freedom House Church, our church, to be more successful or better than other churches, although we are. <laughs> Just kidding. It was a joke. Lighten up. It's all right. But I, I, it's not a competitive thing. The other day, um, Pastor Troy and I and, and Sean on our South End team, we we uh, had coffee and uh, had a meeting with the pastor of Hope Community Church, which is just right, right on the same street as our South End campus. And, man, we just, we just had some coffee, and we just began to talk. And, man, immediately it was like, I love these guys. Like, man, they're my family. I mean, we, we just hit it off just like that. And it's like when you're in the body of Christ, one thing we used to say a lot at Freedom House, probably need to say it more often, but we used to say this a ton when, when I first started coming here probably 16, 17 years ago, was we're building the church more than just a church. 
And that's, that's a huge part of who we are. If you know our pastors, we're always connecting with other churches and helping other churches. So I don't want the church to grow because I, I want or I need Freedom House to be bigger or better or more successful than other churches. I want the big C church, the global church to grow because that's what Jesus wants and because he is my Lord. And so as I asked this question, what God began to show me was the reason I care so much and I get so excited. And we just had a strong men's breakfast yesterday. Come on, guys. Biggest strong men's breakfast we've ever had. We did it at our Lake Norman. It was packed. Guys everywhere worshiping God. And that just fires me up, but it's not because of all those other things. It's because, and this is what God began to show me, because Jesus is my Lord, and when you submit yourself to Jesus Christ and his lordship, Jesus loves people, and he will put that same love in your heart too. You will just start loving other people when you submit to the lordship of Jesus Christ. And so if I don't care about the church, I need to look at the lordship issue. I need to see, we're going to talk about that more today. Man, is Jesus really my Lord? Am I submitted to Jesus? Am I living for him? Is his heart living through me? The early church multiplied. If you know anything about church history, if you know anything about you know, the, the early apostles, man, the church, the early church grew in explosive ways. It multiplied supernaturally. It wasn't like they went from 100 and a few years later they had 200. It was like thousands of people. I mean, it was just spreading. The, the, the Romans, the different country, they were trying to kill Christians. They would murder Christians, and they couldn't stop it. They couldn't stop the church. They couldn't contain this gospel, this good news about Jesus. They couldn't stop it. So the early church multiplied supernaturally. Why did that happen? Well, I want us to look today at what the Apostle Paul had to say to one of the first pastors ever in the history of the world, this man named Timothy. Timothy was like a son to Paul, and, and Paul would send Timothy to, to handle a church, to handle an area, and Paul has this encouragement, he has this challenge for Timothy, and I want us to look at this and read this this morning. So if you have your Bibles, open to 2 Timothy chapter 2. If you have your Bible app, open that up. 2 Timothy chapter 2, we're going to start reading in verse 1 today. We're going to read several verses here, and then we're going to take a few minutes and kind of break them down and try to understand what God is saying to us in these verses. So verse 1, it says, You then, my son, Timothy and Paul, very close. He was like a son to Paul in the Lord. He said, Be strong. Everybody say, Be strong. Be strong. In the grace that is in Christ Jesus. He doesn't say be strong in yourself, be strong in your ability, be strong in your intelligence, be strong in who you are. He says be strong in what? The grace. The grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others or to spread it. Verse 3, join with me in suffering. That's like a four-letter word in the church, right? We don't like that one. But he says, join with me in suffering like what a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And Paul goes on in these next few verses. He gives us three examples, three things to look at as models of our Christian life in service to God. He says in verse 4, no one serving as a soldier, so number one's a soldier, gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Remember I said it's a question of lordship. So number one, is a soldier. Similar, similarly, verse 5, anyone who competes as an athlete, so number two is an athlete, 
does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. The hardworking farmer, number three is a farmer, should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I am saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all of this. So Paul, he tells Timothy to be strong. Everybody say, be strong. strong. In the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And so if we're going to understand this verse, we have to understand grace. We have to understand what grace means. Because he tells him not just to be strong, but he tells him to be strong in the grace. The grace that is in Jesus Christ. So we need to understand God's grace. And people often confuse grace with mercy. See, mercy is not getting what you deserve. So if you're guilty and you stand before the judge and you should owe a penalty of $10,000 and the judge says, I'll let you pay $100, that's mercy. If the judge says you're guilty, but I'm going to let you go free, that's mercy. But grace is not that. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. Grace is a gift. Grace is active. Grace puts something in you. Grace is active. Grace is not God withholding the judgment we deserve. Grace is God giving us a Savior we don't deserve. He gives us something in grace. Grace is not God choosing not to punish his enemies of whom I used to be one. God's grace is God transforming his enemies into his children. That's grace. Grace is not God allowing us to freely live our life, just letting us go. Just do what you want to do. I'm not going to punish you. I'm not going to judge you. Just live your life. That's not grace. Grace is God giving us a greater life filled with purpose and meaning. You see, this is what we need to understand about grace today is that God's grace doesn't just save us from something. It saves us for something. God's grace doesn't just save us from something. It saves us for something. God has a purpose for you. In the early church, they understood this. The reason the early church grew so much is because they understood this principle, not just that God came and Jesus came to save me from my sins, although he did, but that's just the start. God saves us from our sin. He saves us from our past. He saves us from ourselves. Why? So he can set us free to be who he actually called us to be. He doesn't just save us from something. He saves us for something. God saves people and then he fills them with purpose. And what I want you to understand today is that your purpose is unlocked in the local church. And some people will say, well, I don't need church. I'm saved. I know God. I can, I can pray at home. That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Well, I don't need church. I can pray at home. I can pray in my car. Listen, I'm married. I don't have to go home to be married. But how, how many of you know every once in a while, I better go home and see my wife? I'm not going to have a real good marriage if I never go home and see my wife. I want to go home. Why? Because I love my wife. I want to come to church, not because I have to, but because I love coming to church. I come to church because I love God, but guess what? Secret, I love you. I love being with you guys. I could be with God anywhere, but I come to church because when Sam Taylor smiles, come on, somebody. Who's got better energy than Sam Taylor? When Morgan's on the platform, I mean, come on, Adam. Adam. 
Adam's like the most honorable human ever. We call him Captain America on the team. Man, I come to church because I love you. And God has people that you will fall in love with when you come to the house. Man, God calls us to be a Christian, not just to save us from, but to save us for. There's a life, there's a community, there's an excitement, there's a purpose that you need to tap into. Man, if you're living life and you're bored and you're dry and you're, and you're, you're just, you mean you're desperate for something new, let me tell you, try church. And not just dipping your toe in, man, cannonball that thing. Just run and jump off the diving board and splash. Just come and serve in the house of God. Man, when I got saved, man, I wanted to do everything. Man, if, church, if they were having church, I was there. Man, I want to be a part of it. Why? Because that's where God's at, and that's where God's people are at. And I'm going to tell you, man, God has a gift inside of you. God's grace is a gift. God's grace is an endowment with power. God's grace is a purpose. You have gifts planted on the inside of you, and they're going to be unlocked at church. Now, believe it or not, you might not believe this, but I have, I have proof. I have witnesses. When I was young, when I was in high school, I couldn't speak in front of people. And I don't mean I wasn't good at it. I mean, I couldn't do it. I couldn't give a book report in school. I would come up before the class and um, uh, uh, my book, my name, my name, uh, and I'd run out of the classroom. I mean, my teachers were like, it's okay. Like, just, you don't need to do it anymore. Like, stop. <laughs> it's uncomfortable for everyone, <laughs> right? Just stop. <laughs> it's all right. And, man, I wanted to speak. I, wanted, I knew I wanted to teach because I love God's word. But, man, I couldn't talk. I'd get up in front of people and I couldn't. My throat would close up. I would just shake. I mean, I just couldn't do it. And then God, I think laughing his head off, God gives me this best friend who was like the most dynamic speaker in the world. This guy could preach, he could sing, he could do everything. And so God was like, nah, nah, like, because I wanted to do it, but I couldn't do it. So I'm hanging out with this guy who's amazing. He could preach, and he would get invited to these churches. And so one time he's going to this church, and it's this huge youth conference, and probably about the size of this church. I mean, it's probably four or 500 young people. And he tells me, he's like, hey, you're going to share something. And I was like, ah, no, not so much. And he's like, no, no, you, I want you to share something. I'm like, that's not going to go how you think that's going to go. And he's like, you can do it, just, you know, a little bit. You don't have to, like, preach or anything. Just share for a few minutes. And I said, I really don't think it's a good idea. I get really nervous. I, I can't do it. I can't talk. I can't. He goes, no, you're going to do it. You're going to do it. About that. You're going to do it. You're going to do it. I'm like, hey, man, your funeral. Like, okay, you know, <laughs> it's probably going to ruin the event, but I'll do it. So we get there. I'm pale as a guy. I'm like shaking, like sweating. I look like I've got the flu or something. And one of the guys comes up. You know, we're getting ready to go up on the platform. And he's like, hey, man, you okay? And I'm like, no. <laughs> Not even a little bit. Come up on the platform. It's time. You know, my, my buddy kind of, hey, I'm going to have my friend Ole come up and share a few words. And, and he, he, he really, he's like, oh, he's an awesome guy. And he's, man, he's got a word for you and all this stuff. And I'm over there just going, <laughs> And so I get up, I'm walking over, and I remember he holds out the microphone. They probably thought I was high because I wasn't even looking at him. I'm just looking around. I'm walking over going, because I'm thinking when I pass out, 
I was planning where I'm going to fall because I'm like, I'm just going to fall and die. Like hit my head. It was a high platform. And so when I reach, he hands me the microphone. The moment I touch that microphone, like the Holy Spirit just hit me. And I go to speak and I could talk. And I went, hello, my name. That's new. I can, I can talk. And I went on and I shared. And I've been sharing ever since. But you know what? What the principle in that is that if I, see, God's grace had already been dispatched for me. God already had grace for me. But if I would have stayed in my seat, I would have never laid claim. I would have never used the gift that God had put inside of me. You've got to get up. You've got to get in the game. You've got to grab the mic. You've got to do that thing. And maybe, maybe you're scared to death of kids' ministry. I'm no good at I won't be. I'm scared to death. You know what? You just got to do it. You got to go do it. You're, I'm scared to do this. I'm, I'm the, I, I, if I run the cameras, if I run this, I'm going to mess everything up. You know what? Man, by faith, you just got to get in the game. Man, God has anointing for you. He's got power for you. And God positions the spiritual power for your gift where he wants you to, to use it. It's there. It's waiting for you. So Satan, man, he wants to lie. He wants to sabotage that gift. He doesn't want you using your gift for God. Satan doesn't want you connecting with your purpose. Satan doesn't want you coming alive. He doesn't want you walking in this destiny that God has for you. So what is he going to do? He's going to lie to you. And Satan uses two tricks. He uses two tricks. Number one, he'll tell you, like he tried to tell me, you're not qualified. You can't do it. You can't talk in front of people. He tried that with, with uh, Moses. That's his oldest trick, right? I mean, you can't do it. You're, you're, everybody's going to just look at you. You're going to do terrible. You know, you're not qualified. Think of all the sins you've done. Think of who you are. You're not able. That's what Satan will tell you. Or he'll tell you you're going to miss out. He'll tell you, man, if you just live at the church all the time, if you just serve, if you just, man, if you're just committed to church, you're going to miss all the fun. You're going to miss out on all the stuff that life has to offer. I heard this story the other day by Dr. Tony Evans. It was about this man who wanted to go on this cruise. And his whole life, he wanted to go on this cruise so he'd save his money because he didn't make a lot of money and it was super expensive. So he would save his money and save his money and save his money because he wanted to go on this cruise. And he finally, I mean, he's like almost at retirement age. He's been saving for decades. He finally has enough money saved up and he's going to go on the cruise. So he buys his ticket for the cruise. He's so excited, but he knows I don't have enough money for, you know, the food's probably going to be super expensive. And so he packed these peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and he put them in his luggage and he thought, I'm just going to eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich every day. And then I'll, I'll, at least I'll get to do this lifelong deal. I'll get to do this cruise. So he gets on the cruise. He's eating his peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And for the first day or two, it's okay. But day after day, he sees people brought the steak and the shrimp and the lobster and the crab and the, man, all this amazing food. And they're eating so much right in front of him. And he's like, another peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I've got to go back to my room now. and I've got to eat another peanut butter and jelly. And after four or five days, he's just so sick of it. He's like, I can't eat another peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And so he goes to one of the waiters and he says, hey, man, I don't have much money. But what could I give just, just for half a plate of food? Just, just for a little bit of the good stuff. Like, how much would it cost me? And the waiter's eyes got really big and he was like, sir, the food, the price of the food, it was included in your ticket. 
The trip is all inclusive. This poor guy's eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, and he could have been eating like a king. And so many times our life is passing us by. We're so frustrated. We have no purpose. Man, we, have, we don't enjoy our job. It's nine to five. It's this, it's that. And, and we just are so frustrated and we're so discouraged. And man, is God, is my life really matter? And all the time, we miss out on the fact that God's grace is all-inclusive. Man, he's already got the good stuff ready for you. But it's on the cruise ship. It's here in the house. Man, you want to unlock your purpose. You want to enjoy, man, all that God has for you, the purpose, the destiny, the family, the life that God has for you. You've got to do it in God's house. And so why the church? Let's look at verse 2, 2 Timothy 2, 2. It says, And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to what? To teach others. This is one of the reasons why our team values here at Freedom House, one of our biggest core values is give ministry back. Give ministry back. Why? Because whatever you're calling, whatever this purpose you were born for, whatever it is, it's going to involve a team. God's not called you to do it alone. He's not called you to do it in isolation. And the thing that we believe here around Freedom House, and this is different from a lot of places, But no matter who we are, from Pastor Troy down to the the newest person that walks in our door, is that it's not all about me. It's about us. It's about our team. And your purpose in the kingdom of God is going to involve a team. It's going to involve a team. And so Paul, he gives us this comparison of our Christian life. He gives us three things. So we're going to go over these three things very quickly. Number one was the soldier. And we're going to look at 2 Timothy 2, verses 3 through 4. Let's look at the soldier. He says, join with me in suffering. Our Christian life, our call to serve, it's not always going to be easy. It's not always going to be light. Sometimes we're going to go through hardship. But he says, join with me in suffering like a good what? Soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Remember what I told you when I started today that really what the Lord began to show me was this question about the church is a question of lordship. Who are we living for? Am I living for myself? Am I living to impress others? What am I living for? Who are you living for? Who are you living to please? Is it the Lord Jesus or is it somebody else? Is it something else? What Are you living for most people, I believe, waste their lives working overtime to buy stuff they don't need to impress people they don't even like? And too many of us get to the end of our lives full of regret. Why? Because we've wasted the moments, the seconds, the opportunities to do something that truly matters. This picture of the soldier shows us that we should have a kingdom focus. But what does that mean? It means means that we're called to give something up. We're called to give something up, worldly things, and exchange them for heavenly things. And so what I want to do, just like my uncle asked me that question that kind of changed my life, I want to give you a few questions, and I don't want to tell you what you need to do. I want to give you some questions. I want you to write them down, and I want you to pray about it. I want you to read God's Word. I want you to pray and say, go through these questions and answer them honestly and ask God what he would have you do about it. Is that okay? So let's write these questions down. Number one, 
What am I currently and consistently sacrificing for God? What am I currently and consistently sacrificing for God? Soldiers sacrifice. A soldier, you cannot be a successful soldier without giving up something. What am I currently and consistently sacrificing for God? Number two, am I signed up to serve regularly on a team? On a team. And I say regularly because here's the thing. If God has given you a gift, and I believe he has, he hasn't given you that gift to use it once in a blue moon. He hasn't given you that gift to use it once in a while. He's given you that gift to use it often, regularly, consistently. Number three, when I serve, do I give it 100%? Do I have ownership? Do I take ownership? When I used to serve here in the parking lot, one thing I would do is I'd make it a game. I would make it fun, and I would, I would see how many people I could lock eyes with and make them smile. I would learn the cars and the license tags of some of the elderly ladies of the church so I could get them a closer spot, closer to the church. If, if you're going to do something, do it. Don't half do it. Don't show up to serve and go, well, I checked the box and, you know, and then you half did it. Listen, no one on your team wants you to come serve if you're not going to give it your all. And when we serve, when we do our job, when we're with our kids, whatever, the Bible says, what? Do all things as unto the Lord. And so when I'm serving here in God's house, if I'm a greeter, if I'm in kids, whatever I'm doing, man, I'm going to give it my best. I'm going to give it 100%. I'm going to take ownership. Number four, do I ask for feedback so I can grow and get better? Soldiers want to get better because if you're a bad soldier, you're going to have a bad day. It's not going to end up real good. And you know what? If you don't ask for feedback, do you want to get better? You've got to give people permission to give you feedback. I get feedback primarily from my wife and from Pastor Troy because I'll preach a message and everybody's like, oh, great, great, great. And my wife will say, there's this one part. She'll be honest with me and say this or that or you could have added this or you changed this. from life. She'll give me that feedback and I want to get better, Amen. No matter what we're doing, we should want to get better. Last one here, am I serving Jesus with my heart or doing it for the wrong reasons or wrong motivations? Listen, here's the truth. If you have the right why, you can thrive with any how. Why well, I don't like my team leader, doesn't matter. If you got the right why, my boss at work, it doesn't matter. If you've got the right why, but I'm just tired and I'm just, doesn't matter. If you have the right why, the motivation in your heart will propel you through any struggle, through any hardship, through any obstacle. If you have the right why, how doesn't matter so much. Now let's talk for a minute about the athlete. 2 Timothy 2, we're going to reread verse 5. It says, similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. Now, we just came through Olympic season, and how many of you know if you win a gold medal, pretty awesome, right? You're on the news, you're worldwide, you're famous, all this stuff. But if you win the gold medal and then they find out you were cheating, that's worse than not having competed at all. If they find out you were cheating, they will take the medal away. And then not only are you ashamed for yourself, but, you, man, you've shamed your family. You've shamed your whole country, right? I mean, that'd be, that'd be terrible. And so... Man, as believers, how we live our lives will either bring honor to God or shame to him and his church. Our character is so important because we represent the king 
of kings. God, God has entrusted you with his name. He has entrusted you with his name. And I, I thought about how to make this point. I wanted something that would kind of make this stick. I found this amazing uh, example, this amazing story about this guy. He, he grew up in India, and I, I'd never heard this before, but in India, they really value literature and books and stuff. And in India, it's very common if you knock a holy book off a table, it hits the floor, if it touches the ground, you not only pick it up, but you kiss it before you put it back. It's a sign of honor. But this young man in his house in India, when he was growing up, his family revered literature and books so much that any book, if any book touched the ground, and I mean the Superman comic, if it hit the ground, you picked it up, you kissed it, and you put it back. Now this guy, his name is Salman Rushdie, and he is now a world-famous author. He's won countless book awards. He's sold millions of books. Is it any wonder that this, this boy who grew up in a home that honored books became an author? You see, what we choose to honor defines who we become. What we honor defines who we become. And so I want this thought to be in your head. Do you kiss the books? Do I kiss the books? When it comes to God's house, do I honor God's house? If I'm an athlete, I'm a golfer. I love golf. And I love it when you're watching golf and you'll see them like touch this spot where this historic shot was made or they walk over Ben Hogan's bridge and it's like this famous bridge and they honor the history, the tradition, the how. They play by the rules. And an athlete honors his sport and the rules and the traditions of his sport. And you know what? A follower of Jesus should honor God and his church. And so I want to ask you a few more questions before we end today. So write these down. How can we kiss the books in God's house? Write these questions down. What do I treat with more care, God's house or my own? Do I take more time mowing the grass, painting, cleaning, caring for my own house, or do I put God's house first? Number two, do I prioritize relationships with people within the church? Something I learned a long time ago, if you want to get in good with somebody, Learn about their kids. Do something nice for their kids. You do something nice for my kids, I want to get to know you a little bit, right? And you know what? Man, when we want to honor God, we want to bless God's heart, do something for his kids. Get to know God's people. Form relationships in the church. Number three, what do my finances say about how I honor God's house? Am I generous? Do I look for opportunities to give or serve in the house? There's this one couple in the church, and I'm not going to tell you who they are because they wouldn't want that. But they're always looking for opportunities to give. And every time, I mean, there'll be something we'll roll out, an event we'll do, and nobody asks them. It's not like we're like, hey, we need money for this or whatever. They just come forward and say, hey, we, we, we want to sow into that. Here's $500 to go towards that. Here's $1,000 to go towards that. They're looking for opportunities to give. There are people on our team that I love that if we're doing something new, they're like, hey, hey, hey I want to be a part of that. I want in. Can I, can I serve? Can I be a part of that team? They're looking for those opportunities. Number five, do I defend the church when people insult her? And not just Freedom House, but the church. You're at work and somebody says, I don't go to church because church is full of hypocrites. Do you step up and say something? Do you defend the church? Well, you should quit your job because there are hypocrites here too. 
Or do we join in like I've done before, and I've been guilty of this too, the peer pressure of it, and you go, yeah, I know, I know, church this. Church, this. church is great except for the people. How lame is that, right? What if somebody was talking about your wife, you know? Uh, your, your wife's pretty good looking except this, or your wife's nice except she's dumb. Man, I'd be ready to fight, wouldn't you? And God's up in heaven, and we're, the world is insulting his bride, which if you're saved is you, by the way. And we stand back, and we don't say a word. Yeah, you're probably right. I know. There's a bunch of hypocrites in the church. Man, we should defend God's church. Last thing, do I talk my words? Do I talk about the church? Do I talk about their church? Or do I talk about my church? See, this isn't their church, that church, a church. This is my church. And when I talk about Freedom House, there's something special about Freedom House for me because this is my family. This is my church. So I don't call it their church, the church. I call it my church. It's my church. So let's end the day with the farmer. I've given you some questions to think about. Let me give you some good news, and we'll end with this. 2 Timothy 2.6, the hardworking farmer, many of you are hardworking farmers, should be the first to receive a share of the crops. You see, farmers are famous for their work ethic. Farming, man, back-breaking work that never ends. And being a Christian is hard work too, especially when it comes to the church. You see, it's easy to be a Christian at home on your sofa. That's not hard. But when you come to church, when you start serving, when you get in leadership, when you're dealing with problems and people, it can be hard. It can be hard work. But Paul says, listen, the farmer Man, you get to eat first. When the produce comes, when the, when the results comes, when the harvest comes, the farmer gets to pick first. He gets to pull out the best and eat first. But here's the thing we have to remember. There's no crop if the farmer quits. If the farmer gives up before the harvest is in, what is the farmer going to eat? And none of us get to eat, right? But if we continue until the end, like a hardworking farmer. If you get involved, you find your purpose, you unlock that thing that God has put in you and then you press through the obstacles, the hardship, the bad days, and you don't quit. God says there will be a reward for you. I'm here to tell you today, the church is where it's at. There's a reward for you and there's a purpose, there's a life. It's better. It's not missing out, and it's an exchange. God wants to exchange the meaningless, the dry, the mundane for a life of purpose. Man, he does that through the church. Would you stand on your feet with me for just a moment? I want to read a scripture over you. Before I do that, I want to end with this, this one story I heard. It really really touched my heart. There was this missionary, his name was Henry Morrison. He'd been a missionary for 40 years in Asia. 40 years he'd been faithful. He's coming home, he's on this boat. This was many years ago. At the time, the president was Franklin Roosevelt. And he was on the same boat with the president. So he comes home, they come into the New York Harbor, and this 40-year missionary was kind of hoping for a band, for a church group, for somebody to put on a little fanfare for him. You know, he's been gone for 40 years. He's finally coming home. 
but when they pull into the harbor, he hears the trumpets. He looks up over the bow of the boat, and there's a banner, but it says, Welcome home, Mr. President. Because President's a big deal. He understood. He's just a missionary. But he thought, man, it would have been nice for somebody to make a big deal about me. 40 years I've been gone. 40 years I've served. 40 years I've been faithful. And I just wanted a little fanfare, a little reward, a little something when I came home. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit spoke to his heart. He said, hey, Henry, you're not home yet. You see, when you get to heaven, there's going to be a party if you don't quit. If you push through, if you finish the race. It's so important. I want you to bow your heads. The Lord put on my heart just to read this passage and we're going to pray. This is Romans chapter 8, verse 14. I'm reading it to you out of the King James because it's just so beautiful how it says it. And I believe that for many of you, this passage is going to say something special. It says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. You see, the whole earth is groaning is waiting for the sons of God to become the sons of God. This whole earth, this whole universe is just waiting, travailing. Can't wait to see you become who God has called you to be. And I want to ask you right now, if you'd like to step into a life of purpose, maybe you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you'd like to do that right now, to receive His forgiveness, exchange that old life for a new life. The Bible says you just have to believe in your heart, confess it with your mouth. If you'd like to do that right now, if you're online and you'd like to do it, there's a button. You can click in the chat. If you'd like to do that right now, will you just lift your hand? Just lift your hand high. Amen. We're going to pray this prayer together. And listen, also, maybe you're saved, maybe you know God, but you're tired of living that old life. And you want to step into some purpose. You want to commit to serve, to do something fresh and new, to see God unlock his purpose in you. If that's you today, lift both your hands up. Just lift your hands towards heaven. I believe God's going to fill you with purpose today. We're going to pray this by faith, and God's going to change some things inside your heart. Amen. Let's, let's pray this together. Just repeat after me. Say, Father God, thank you for saving me. I received the gift. I believe that you died for me. You rose again. Forgive my sins. Change my heart. And I'm going to step into a new life. I will serve you. I will serve you. I will step into my purpose. Unlock it right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Wow. amen.
Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this message, we encourage you to spread the word. Share with your friends and family on social media and make sure you subscribe to hear a new message every week. Really love the message? Well, we want to hear from you. Make sure to leave us a review below. Want more Freedom House content? Follow us on Instagram at Freedom House and subscribe to Freedom House Church on YouTube. We hope you are equipped to experience all that God has for you this week, and we'll see you for our next Freedom House Church weekend message.